Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So, around nine or ten years ago now, I was living with my mum, dad, and older sister in an oldish house in a very small village. And like, when I say small, I mean its only main feature was a small church and a few scattered houses occupied mostly by very old people, and that was it. At the time, it was the summer, so I wasn't at school or anything, and since we were so far in the middle of nowhere, I spent most of that time at home, glued to one screen or another. The usual routine was I'd wake up around maybe 10 or 11 or something, but by this point, mum, dad, and sister had all left for work, so I had the house to myself. I'd go downstairs, make some toast, watch some random stuff on TV for an hour before heading back to my room to continue with whatever game I was grinding through that particular day. The usual habits of a 17-year-old guy cut off from the world by many, many fields. Anyway, I probably should give a, a quick rundown of our house. It was an older cottage with two rooms upstairs, mine and my sister's, and everything else downstairs. As you walk up the stairs, you go to a very small landing, and you could go sort of either left to my room or immediate right to my sister's room. Basically, the way that this was laid out was that I could sit in my room with the door open and my sister's room is directly opposite. I should also mention too that the ceilings in both of our bedrooms were slanted, but we were basically in a large attic where the roof slanted down, and because of where the slant met the wall, we had the crawl space that ran the length of the house on either side of the rooms, both with a small door to access them. These were mostly used for like storing normal attic stuff, like Christmas decorations and old forgotten toys and stuff like that. 
The doors to these were thin little things, about four feet tall with a small handle on the outside. This is important too because turning these tiny doorknobs opened them but only from the outside. What I mean is that if the door was pushed shut with you inside, there was no way back out. I discovered this myself on more than one occasion. The door on my side ran along my room and along one wall in my sister's room and hers ran along the other side along my room. This space was not very big too. You had to sort of crouch to stand in it and most of the time you were in there you were crawling on hands and knees. This is all important too, I promise, but anyway... This one morning I'm awoken to a familiar noise, some sort of small creature rustling around in the crawl space on my sister's side. I could hear this because my bed was against the wall that ran along it. Not an unusual noise too, living in the countryside we had mice almost constantly and they pretty much had the run of the storage spaces no matter how many traps you put in it. I didn't think too much of it and I got up and went off to begin my morning ritual of toast and television. But the first odd thing that I noticed was while watching TV, I swear that I could hear movement upstairs. My sister's room was directly above the living room, so I assumed that she had just not gone to work that day or something for whatever reason and continued munching. Anyway, around maybe an hour or two later, I went back upstairs and booted up my PC. As I was waiting, I turned around to my open door and faced my sister's closed one and realized that it was late in the day and she had yet to leave her room, which was an odd thing for her since normally she was parked up on the sofa in the living room on her days off and didn't move until her parents returned. We're definitely not the most active family. So I started to think that maybe she was at work and I'd imagine the noise from upstairs. But as I mused this over, I noticed the crack of light at the bottom of her door as a shadow passed by it. Okay, so there's definitely somebody in there, so it must be her, right? I once again pushed it off my mind and went back to my PC. More time passed and the thought came back to me. Why would she be at home but not leave? She only had a small TV in her room and no books, so what had she been doing in there all day? I glanced back around and again saw a shadow under the door. She was still moving around in there, so what was up? I finally decided to just go and knock on her door. I knocked a few times and said her name, but there was no answer, which was weird. But maybe she had headphones on or something? I knocked a bit harder again and said her name again, but louder this time. Again, no answer. Alright, I thought. You know what? Screw this. I'm just going to go in. So I cracked the door open and peered around. But the weirdest thing is that I found an empty room. No one inside at all. Feeling slightly confused now, but better that it was just my imagination, I stepped in properly and looked around. And saw something that really made me go into a full panic. Near the bottom of the little door leading to the crawl space, there was a small hole that the mice had made to get in and out of the bottom. Really small, but just big enough to sort of fit half of your hand through. And there, coming through that hole, were four fingers holding the door shut from the inside. At first I thought, no, 
That can't be fingers. Don't be stupid. Until I watched them slowly creep back and forth through the hole into the crawl space. And man, did I lose it. Very quietly though, I might add, I backed out of the room, shutting the door behind me and ran to my room. Being the stupid teenager that I was, I grabbed what might be the most imposing weapon that I could find. The fake Winchester rifle cap gun that I got from Disneyland a few years previous. I figured that if whoever was hiding in that bedroom didn't believe that it was a real firearm, I could at least hit them with it. So I ran off downstairs to where my dogs were on the far side of the house and called my mum. She worked about a five minute drive away from her house. She told me to stay put and that her and her manager were on their way. And in this time, I made a small upgrade from the plastic rifle to one of my dad's golf clubs. I felt much better with that too. Finally, my mum and her boss, John, turn up and I tell them everything leading up to this point. They say okay and we all set off upstairs to investigate. And me rather unheroically bringing up the rear with my golf club. I'll never know if my mum is just hard as nails or massively stupid, but while John and I watched, she marches over to the door, yanks it open and sticks her head in. A moment passes while she looks left and right, and John and I are preparing to yank her back from the clutches of the psycho hobo murderer hiding in there, before she shouts, Chris, what are you doing in there? Get out. A small amount of backstory, Chris was actually my sister's boyfriend. And unbeknownst to me, the night before, my dad had asked Chris to leave as he had stayed with us for like around five days at this point. He said yes, and well, that's cool, and as far as mum and dad knew, he had headed home. But what really happened was, instead of leaving, him and my sister had planned to make it seem like he had left and then he could stay another night. He then would wake up before my mum shouted my sister up for work, like she did every morning, and would hide in the crawl space and sleep there until everyone had left for the day. The one small hitch in that plan is that they did not think of, you guessed it, me. They'd forgotten that I was home and conveniently sat directly opposite the only exit for the house of the day, so he was trapped. When I knocked, he hid himself behind the door and held it shut to prevent being locked in. Anyway, my mum swiftly told him to get out and not come back, Sadly, this was not the last time we saw that guy too, as it turned out he'd stolen quite a bit of money from my sister's room while he'd been hiding out and then, because my sister makes terrible decisions, got her pregnant and proceeded to smash windows trying to get at her and the baby around a year later. So he was a pretty nasty guy. For a while too, we lived in the same city when I went to uni and he was spending time at the prison there for apparently stabbing someone in a completely different town. So yeah, super guy. Oh, and um, a small topper to all of this is that, as I mentioned earlier, the only rooms upstairs are mine and my sister's bedrooms. He'd been in there for like close to 14 hours with no access to a toilet. But don't worry, because this guy, he had lots of empty bottles, which he kindly left behind for us to clean up. And finally, around a year later, as mum was getting the Christmas decorations out, which were at the far back of the storage space, she found a small bag filled with feces. I should mention too where she found it is exactly next to where my bed is on the other side of the wall, and the rustling that woke me up that day, it was him, hiding 
his excrement amongst our tinsel and trees. Anyway, he was a really bad dude and I'm just glad that nobody got hurt in the end because I sometimes wonder what he would have done to me if I had found him in the house alone that day in the crawl space. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a kid, I used to live in an old home in the suburbs of Perth, Western Australia. The home was built in 1939, and I believe that it was a war housing for vets after the Second World War. It was laid out in two sections, in any case. My parents bought the house in 2000. The original home was at the front of the house, which was quite small, creaky wooden floorboards and high ceilings. There was only like three rooms too. In my room, my sister's room, and a playroom, this part of the house was where a lot of the activity was centered. A hallway connected the old house to what was originally the backyard, but had been renovated to add a large modern wing onto the existing structure. And my parents' room was in this wing. So I lived there until I was around 12 years old and my experience begins at I would say around 5 or 6. I'd started to hate sleeping in my room and being in that part of the house in general. Every time that I was there I just felt really uneasy, even during broad daylight and I just had no idea why. I was just suddenly overwhelmed with panic every time that I crossed the threshold into the old wing by myself. Activity was usually focused in the toy room the biggest room in the part of the house. Small things like toys moving and going missing, turning on in the middle of the night when they were switched off hours prior, stuff like that. The first experience must have been when I was around five. I had a vivid night terror of a dirt-covered black glove reaching out from under my pillow and attempting to grab me. When I told my parents, they seemed just well, pretty unbothered by it, although now I know that this wasn't the case. This comes into play later. 
When I was around seven, though, I remember a Barbie keyboard my sister had turning on and playing some sort of tune late at night. My sister woke me up, as any kid would, and we both went and woke up our parents. When they heard what was happening, they were visibly on edge, as this was not at all the first experience that they'd had with that room. After some apprehension, my dad went in and turned the keyboard off. The ceiling light wouldn't turn on, and it worked in the morning, so it was just a really weird night. A separate occasion involving toys happened in my room. I was around 8 years old, and I had a 2008 Mummy's Gold Matchbox toy set. If anyone is unfamiliar with it, it's a battery-powered track which, once a matchbox car runs over a button or the button is pushed, it activates mummy's eyes to glow and a voice line, I've got you now, to play in that sort of typical 2000s scratchy audio. Anyway, I was just having trouble sleeping late one night. I was wide awake, so it wasn't some half-sleep hallucination thing, but... The I've got you now broke the silence and I jolted up to look at the track. Its arms were moving up and down repeatedly and it was a functionality that the toy just didn't have. Its arms were only meant to move up and down once and after a few seconds it just stopped. Now, I'd been playing with it earlier and I definitely remember switching it off. Obviously, I, I didn't sleep well that in fact, I started sleeping on the couch in the living room after this. I can recall multiple occasions in which a clock would fall off the wall, no matter where it was placed to or what we used to hang it. It just fell off every time. The activity, though, was fairly quiet for the remaining couple of years that we lived there. Basic sort of stuff like bangs and scratching noises, a cold breeze when there were no windows or doors open, dogs barking at doorways and corners when there's nothing there, but it was nothing to write home about. And we moved out in 2013. It's only years later, too, that my parents told me about their experiences. They're now divorced and they rarely agree on anything, but this is one thing that they both see eye to eye on. So the toy room that used to be my sister's room when she was a baby, and the usual toy room stuff applies here. The baby monitors, recording sounds of lullaby players which has no batteries in it or was put away in a closet only to be mysteriously attached to the crib again before being found halfway across the room in the morning. But by far the most disturbing account is that of a dark figure. You see, both my parents experienced waking up in the dead of the night only to see a tall dark figure around six plus feet tall wearing a trench coat and standing over the other person as they sleep. The figure was always gone after a blink, and they each only saw it once, years apart, but it makes them uneasy just talking about it. Though it's not directly a first-hand experience, it definitely helps corroborate my experiences, because the part that terrifies me is their recount of its gloves. Both of them recall it wearing black, dirty gloves, just like the ones that I'd seen in my night terror as a child all those years ago. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... 
That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This happened seven years ago while I was living in a small town in Illinois. My youngest was a few weeks old, so I was up frequently to feed him, so I sat downstairs with him while my husband and older two children slept upstairs. I was woken up to someone knocking on my door one night. I was sort of half asleep and my only thought was getting to the door before I woke everybody up. I was so sleep deprived too that I just wasn't thinking straight, otherwise I probably wouldn't have answered the door so late at night. But anyway, as I was heading to get to the door, my baby started to wake up so I brought him with me. I opened the door and a man is standing there. I said, how can I help you? And he just sort of stands there for a second and doesn't say anything. At this point, I'm starting to wake up enough to be observant and I remember feeling like he seemed nervous, which made me anxious too. All he said was, I'm sorry, I thought you ordered a pizza. Then he grabbed a box off of the table on the porch and walked away. I don't remember what I even said to him, to be honest. I just closed the door and stood there feeling a bit strange, thinking about how weird it was, but I told myself that he just had the wrong house, I think. As I'm walking back to the living room, I saw the clock, and it was at this point that my stomach dropped. It was a little over 2am, but there were no places around that deliver that late. I went back to look outside, but... I didn't see anyone and there were no cars on the street. I made sure all the doors were locked uh, along with the windows that night and I just remember sitting there a little shaken thinking about how off the situation felt. I mean, one, normally a pizza guy just says hi and tells you how much you owe. All he said was, I'm sorry I thought you ordered a pizza. Two, the box was not with him. I didn't see it until he grabbed it off the table as he exited my porch. The table is a few feet away from the door. If he was holding it, I probably wouldn't have asked how could I help him and I would have just said wrong house or something. Three, I don't remember him wearing anything associated with a pizza place or a name tag. The only place nearby was a pizza hut as well. This was around March or April, so it's possible he had a jacket on, I suppose, but I just don't remember. And four, nothing was open that late, and I'm definitely sure about that. But the nervous vibe that I got from him too still tells me that something was really off that night. I mean, what was he doing? And if he did have bad intentions, I think either he saw that I had dogs, or maybe, maybe me holding my baby changed his mind. Whenever I think about it though, I... I still get chills and feel lucky that nothing happened that night. So this happened about eight years ago at my local supermarket. I, female, 36 at the time, am in the queue to pay. It's a Saturday morning, super busy, and I'm second in line. In front of me at the till is a family of three, mom, dad, and daughter. Mom and dad are unpacking the trolley and the daughter is sitting in the trolley just facing me. 
Behind me are two men and they're just making me super uncomfortable, standing way too close to me. You know how you can sort of feel someone before you see them? Well, it was a lot like that. I was facing the daughter and she looked super uncomfortable too, making herself smaller and kept looking over her shoulder to her dad. I turn around and these men are waving and smiling, trying to get her attention. Then the one guy reaches around me and touches her foot. He did it in such a familiar way too that I thought that he must know the family. She flinched away though and he does it again. She quietly says, Daddy. Dad swings around and says in a booming voice something along the lines of, What are you doing, dude? Don't touch my daughter. This weirdo is like, But we want to be friends. Dad is like, I don't know you. Back off. I realize then that they don't know each other at all and instantly go into mummy mode. Dad goes back to unpacking the trolley and I position myself between the two guys and the daughter, completely blocking access. Believe it or not, too. He tries to get her attention again, so I say really loudly, You're so lucky that you have such a brave and strong daddy. Look how he's protecting you from these bad men. The dad looks at me and we have a sort of silent conversation with her eyes, and they pack up and leave quickly. I thought that it was over, the girl was safe, and as I'm unpacking my trolley, I suddenly notice that one of the men has moved around and is standing at the end of the till where you pack your groceries into the bags, staring at me with just what I can only describe as pure malice. The other guy is still standing behind me in the queue, my trolley between us. I won't lie, in that moment I felt intimidated, terrified. I'm not a small woman by any means, I'm tallish with pretty broad shoulders and quite strong. My trolley is 15 kilos of dog food, my adrenaline is pumping, I need to show these guys that I'm not an easy target. I make eye contact with the aggressor at the end of the till and I lift this bag of dog food up like it's just a roll of toilet paper. My facial expression doesn't change, no strain, no tension, just deep and dark. He keeps eye contact with me and now I'm just angry, the fear is gone. I pay and he blocks my exit from the till. I bump him white with my trolley and he laughs sort of menacingly and moves out of the way. I decide not to go straight to my car and instead I walk around the mall a bit and every time that I turn around, they're there. Now with a third guy too. They're not even hiding the fact now that they're following me. The one guy makes a motion of cutting my neck and at that point... I start making my way to the security desk. When I get there and turn around, they're obviously gone. I tell security everything and they recommend that I let the supermarket know as well, give them my till number so that they can review the security tape above the till. A guard escorted me to my car and I drove home the long way, checking my rearview mirror constantly that day. I never did see them again, but to be honest... I just stopped going to that supermarket altogether after that. Partly because of that, but mainly their prices are not competitive and my dogs become fussy eaters too. Anyway, I don't know really what that was all about that day, but something in me says that maybe I stopped a kidnapping or something. Earlier this year, to celebrate the 4th of July, I was having a few drinks with my parents. 
and as we were discussing several different topics, we eventually stumbled into sharing some ghost stories. I mean, we've all heard each other's usual stories before. In fact, I can write verbatim my dad's encounter with an elf, which I always find myself sort of chuckling doubtfully about. But that night, I brought up something that I've really struggled to come to terms with for years now. This took place when I was around 10 years old. I'm 25 now, so this was about 15 years ago. My friends and I lived in different neighborhoods around the town at the time, so since I was really the only kid of my age group who lived in my little part of the suburb, I would occupy my free time by just riding my little mermaid bicycle on the streets. It was a very lax part of the township, typical of the residential areas that surrounded the city, but one summer evening I was wasting some time just before dinner I think by pedaling my bike up the street when I was rolling to the T-shaped intersection that I would always stop and turn around at, I noticed two girls my age just sitting peacefully in front of the house opposite the intersection. They were staring at me too, almost as if they were aware of my imminent arrival. Both were wearing light-colored nightgowns, which I thought was a bit strange considering the time of day and, well, being outside like that. I can't recall if they were twins, but... Something tells me that they were, but I can't really remember much detail of their faces at all. As I got closer to the intersection on my bike, they called out to me cheerfully, beckoning me with jubilant arm motions to come towards them. And I did. I felt a, a rush of excitement toil over me at the thought of having a couple of new friends to play with. So I really wasn't asking why they were outside in nightgowns or even where they'd come from. Because, you see, the people that owned the house behind them were quite elderly. I mean, I rarely ever saw them leave the house at all. The edges of the property were quite grown over too, which made the house look neatly nestled away from the road. The only thing that I thought that was strange at the time was that the slight hill that was their front lawn was covered in sort of decorative river rocks. The ones that are smoothly molded by water and look like little dinosaur eggs maybe. And... That's what the girls were sitting on, barefoot and in nightgowns. How uncomfortable, I thought. They were both talking to me, telling me that I should come and play with them. And I said that I would love to, but I would have to bike home first and let my mum know where I'd be. They seemed less than thrilled at that idea and were definitely trying their hardest to coax me into staying there with them, telling me that I didn't need to tell my mum and that she wasn't that far away. I insisted that I'd be back very shortly and hopped on my bike and pedaled home. When I arrived back at my house, I threw my bike into the grass and ran up to our front door, opening it partially to ask my mum if it was alright if I played with two girls up the street. My mum turned around and seemed sort of visibly confused, but she agreed, so I went back. I rode up to the house at the intersection, and when I did, they weren't there. I was a little disappointed. I even felt bad for having to run home first like I did. I walked my bike up the driveway and then proceeded to walk up to the door, knocking on it gently. And an elderly woman opened the door. I told her the girls asked me if I could play with them. And she said, What girls? A puzzled look spread across her face. Uh, there were two girls outside just a bit ago. They asked if I could play with them. No kids here, sweetheart. You know, you're the only kid on the street, right? And then she shut the door. 
And after that, I never saw or heard of the girls ever again. Now, as I was telling this story to my parents, I sort of paused midway to make the disclaimer that I wasn't sure if this was some kind of extremely detailed dream that I had, sort of mixed up with my memories, or if it actually happened. My mum, though, she told me she actually remembered that day because she never remembered any children living on our street besides me, and it stuck out to her that I had asked to play with two girls up the road. So, after explaining this story to my parents... I ended up doing some research, and apparently the phenomena of supernatural beings disguised as children, black-eyed children as they're referred to, is a, an urban legend. I had no knowledge of this being a, a thing, and although it's debunked, I will say that it's eerily similar to what I experienced with these girls. I don't really remember them having black eyes. In fact, it's almost as if their faces were sort of blurred from my memory entirely. They weren't acting ominous or intimidating, but they wanted me to stay with them in the sort of worst way. Ghosts, a glitch in the system, black-eyed children, or whatever it was. I'm struggling to find an explanation, as it's just been one of the most puzzling things that I've ever experienced. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This summer, don't be left without air conditioning. Call Care Heating and Cooling and get on a care plan to protect your family. With a care plan, you get system maintenance and priority service in case of emergency, giving you peace of mind. Plus, a well-maintained air conditioner runs more efficiently and saves you money. At Care, their service technicians are paid to fix your AC, not sell you a new one. And their award-winning team is available seven days a week. Call Care today at 1-800-COOLING or book an appointment online at careheatingandcooling.com. When you need a company, you can trust.